You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, church family, welcome to the podcast. I hope that you enjoy this episode. This episode of the podcast will be different than what we normally do. Kind of fun for me. It's super interesting, but it's a little outside the box. Today, I want to take some stories about Daniel that come from Jewish writings, Jewish literature that's not in the Bible. These stories can be found in the Apocrypha, which as Baptists, we're pretty unfamiliar with. The reason that we're unfamiliar with them is because the Apocrypha is not canon. We don't believe that these stories are Holy Spirit inspired. We're not confident that they're true, even though some of them may be based on a nugget of truth. I just thought it'd be interesting to show you how the character of Daniel uh, was alive in the stories of the Jews. If nothing else, they're interesting. So let me share with a couple with you a couple of these as we wrap up uh, the book of Daniel. So the first story I'll share is basically a reflection back on Judaism. This one kind of speaks towards why were the Jewish people exiled? What was wrong with Judaism? When Daniel prayed in chapter 9 about repenting from the people's sins, had Judaism become broken? Well, this story, I'll have to share the very G version of it because some of our listeners are kids. But essentially, you find yourself in the exile in the context that Daniel lived, and there are a couple of adult men who are Jewish legal scholars with good reputations but corrupt hearts. And there's a godly woman named Susanna. These two men... They fall in love with Susanna, and they want very much to be close to Susanna. But, like the godly woman that she is, she refuses their advances. Well, they tell her that if she won't be interested in them, they're going to concoct a story about her. And they do. They accuse her of adultery, and they agree on it. Well, and in Jewish law, if two witnesses agree, especially two people with good reputations like these men, two people who are respected elders, well, then the sentence would be final. So Susanna is going to be killed, and it seems that some people believe that she might be innocent. So Daniel is called in to sort out the issue. Daniel speaks up and says, give me a minute. He separates the two witnesses, and he asks the first witness to explain what he saw. Well, the first witness describes what he thought Susanna did. He explains everything, and it all happened under a tree. And Daniel said, under what kind of tree? The first witness said, under a mastic tree. Well, Daniel heard his testimony and dismissed him. He called in the second witness. He told a similar story. They agreed on all the parts that they had corroborated. And Daniel said, under which tree? And this is something they hadn't talked about. So the second witness said, under the live oak tree. And in this way, Daniel proved that the two men had made up their testimony and that there was corruption even among these elders who had good reputations and were supposed to be administering the law of God more righteously. Daniel was a young man at the time, and this is a story that shows not only Daniel's character, but also shows how Daniel was living in the middle of corruption that was not only Babylonian corruption. There was even corruption in the religious community around him among God's people. So that's a cool story about, uh, about Daniel the exile and his wisdom. 
another story that emerges in the Apocrypha is about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's almost as if somebody says, what happened to those guys in the fiery furnace? Because when you saw the fourth person walking, the next thing you know, it shifts to the king and you know his, his intentions and his ideas. And so what this song of the three children does is it puts words and prayers in the mouths of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to let you know about the sins of Israel that they were repenting of, the praise of God that they would have been singing about. It's actually kind of neat stuff because it lets you see what Judaism around 2nd century BC would have been saying and thinking. So I thought that was pretty neat. Well, two other stories that are a little bit more far-fetched but kind of fun, they both speak towards idolatry. That Daniel lived in a culture that was highly idolatrous. And like other Jews, Daniel believed that idols were empty forms. And he believed that if this was properly tested and thought through, you could demonstrate that idols truly were nothing. And everybody in Babylon who was bending their knee to an idol, they were bending their knees to empty statues. Well, the king wanted to convince Daniel that this wasn't true. And so King Cyrus takes Daniel into one of Baal's temple. And Baal was the god, a god that was, that was primarily worshipped by lots of people in the Middle East. And he says, you know, Daniel, you've got to believe that Baal is a real god. And I'll prove it to you. Look at how much food he eats. Well, now to show you the social setting, what happened is they would bring in offerings. And the Jews took food offerings to the temple, but the Jews never believed that God ate the bread or the grain offerings. The Jews knew that they were feeding the priests. Well, in Babylon... This king tells Daniel, Baal is real because he eats the food. What was happening is every night the food would disappear and the priest would say, Baal is real, he's eating the food. Well, Daniel knew better. And so Daniel told the king, if you'll let me put this to the test, I'll prove it to you. King says, sure. So Daniel and the king walk into the temple. The king shows Daniel where the food is placed on a table and they talk to the priests and everything goes fine. And the priests leave and before Daniel leaves, He spreads some flour with nobody noticing on the floor, and he walks out. Well, the next day, the king is so excited to tell Daniel, the food is gone, the food is gone. You must be convinced now that Baal is real. He's not an empty statue. Daniel laughed and pointed to the footprints on the floor because the priests had a trap door under the table. And at night, they would slip out the trap door, and they and their families would feast on the food for Baal, and they would disappear in the night, and the next day tell the king and the other leaders that obviously Baal ate the food. But... Daniel's trap had worked, and their footprints were caught in the floor, and Daniel proved that idols were just empty statues. One step farther than this, Daniel's shown a dragon, and he's told, do you see this great dragon? Surely this dragon is a god and should be worshipped. Well, that's an interesting story just in itself. But Daniel tells the king, it's not a god, and I'll prove it. I can kill it without a sword. If I kill the dragon without a sword, would you agree with me that it was not a god? And so, of course, the king agrees. So Daniel took pitch and fat and hair, and he boiled them together, made them into big lumps, and he fed them to the serpent, and the serpent ate them. And this serpent, according to the Apocrypha, burst open and died. Some versions of the story, there were nails inside the food, and other versions of the story, there were not. I really don't understand exactly what happened or why, but for some reason, Daniel's food poisoned or killed the serpent, and he died. Well, the priests of Babylon were furious, 
at Daniel. And this was one of the things in the Apocrypha that instigated their hatred that led to the lion's den. One last piece of the story that I think is really far-fetched and kind of fun is that when Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den, obviously he was hungry. And in this story, God calls Habakkuk to feed him. I'll read it to you. It's interesting. And they threw him into the lion's den, and he remained there six days. There were seven lions in the den, and they had been given two human bodies and two sheep every day. But now these were not given to them, so they might devour Daniel. Now, the prophet Habakkuk was in Judea. And he had cooked a stew, and he'd crumpled bread into a bowl, and he was going to the field to carry it to the reapers. When the angel of the Lord said to Habakkuk, Carry the dinner that you have to Babylon to Daniel in the lion's den. And Habakkuk said, Sir, I have never seen Babylon, and I do not know the den. Then the angel of the Lord took hold of the crown of his head and lifted him by the air, and with the speed of the wind he set him down in Babylon right over the den. And Habakkuk shouted, Daniel, Daniel, take the dinner which God sent you. And Daniel said, You have remembered me, O God, and have not forsaken those who love you. Then Daniel arose and he ate, and the angel of God immediately put Habakkuk back in his own place again. And familiar from that point, the king comes to find Daniel and is amazed. But it's interesting that in this Apocrypha story, this elaborated tale, Habakkuk comes to bring him some stew. Daniel's in the den for seven days, not just one day in this story. So what do we do with all this? Well, I think we recognize that in the Jewish imagination, Daniel the man was admired for his visions, for his wisdom, for his refusal to be idolatrous, and for his ability to maintain his integrity in a world where lots of other people, Babylonians and Israelites, had forsaken their integrity. So I don't think these apocryphal stories are accurate, but I think they're interesting. And I just want to pick them up and encourage you with Daniel. We don't have to make up elaborate stories for me to tell our church family. I wish that we would have the wisdom of Daniel. I wish that we'd have the integrity and the character of Daniel. So church family, I want to encourage you to walk with the Lord as Daniel walked with the Lord. And let's be sure that every one of us are found faithful. Finish well. I can't wait to see you. God bless you. I love you, church. 